Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Live from the gleaming, streamlined studios of Outlaw Radio USA, nestled in our secret bunker somewhere in the Los Angeles area. I don't know where we are. I'm lost. I'm dazed. I'm confused. I am the legendary Burl Bear. Yes, you are. Program produced by Magic Matt Allen on the Outlaw Radio Network. Howard Peters, manager to the star. And then I am too. Yes. Mark C.G. Boyer, our fact checker. And we got some hot fantasies about nurses. Oh, come on now. I, I always ask the nurse, what are you wearing? <laughs> how, did you, how do you go there with this story? What do you mean, how do I go there? You have hot you are, fantasies about... You don't want to have a hot fantasy about this nurse. No, no, I don't no, think you, you do. Don't. No. Peter Elkind. Peter, great to have you here. Good to be with you. I'll tell you, you're, uh, you've are you been a busy, busy man. Not only uh, having this great book come out again, which uh, we're thrilled and excited about, but also uh, you're getting a lot of hot press on your uh, CNN thing on uh, The Man in the Machine by Steve Jobs. I, I am. I work on that with Alex Gibney. Yeah. Yeah, the hardest working man in show business. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a, but that's a good thing. We'll get to all that in 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 just a little while. First of all, you Thank do you. You, you do know what you're getting into here, right? <laughs> uh, not entirely, but I'm but but I'm weary now. You, you give me warning. Okay, you've yeah. been you you have been warned, Peter. You have, this is not your typical true crime radio program. It's number one. It is, in yeah. fact, the uh, Mark is right. It is the number one. I don't know if you know this, Peter. The number one true crime radio program in the world. Best podcast ever. Yeah, yes. that too. And <laughs> and uh, also, I want to thank our friends at the Guinness World Book of Records. Well, I'm, I'm honored they, to be on this. And they track tapes. <laughs> they have those now too. Uh, we do uh, sometimes. Why uh, does that embarrass you, Burl? What? The, the fact that we are number one. Well, it doesn't embarrass me. Uh, Dan Zupanski, by the way, who's going to be a guest on our show very soon. I thought. Yeah. yeah see if see if he gets past me. <laughs> Dan, Dan also does a great show out of Canada. Yes, he does. <clears throat> I'm going to be on his show, and he's going to be on our show here very soon. Oh, apparently I'm not going to be on his show. Uh, no, we couldn't find a reason to have you on. <laughs> but, well, I sure have a reason to have him here. <laughs> Peter, Peter, I think we're, let's I, get down to the real nitty-gritty. You, you, you kind of get what this is all about. Uh, and, and what we won't do is make fun of the um, of the case, but no. because it, it's f- the furthest possible thing. Uh, what I would say is that what, what, what we're in for here, uh, Peter, is I think the phrase is a purposeful broadcasting misadventure. Well, there's that. but but uh, Now, there's a reason I mentioned that. This this lovely woman we're going to talk about today, and you'll, you'll give us the backstory. I understand that after she bumped off at least one person, if not more, she was removed from her position due to a purposeful nursing misadventure. Well, before we do that, and, and sorry, Peter, we're not bumping off people, we're bumping off babies. Well, yes. they're, they're people. Yeah. She wasn't bumping off corporations, and they're people too, my friend. Right, oh. and I've read, read about them these days, but yes. Absolutely. So give us the backstory, Peter. Tell us uh, tell us about this woman. Sure. Uh, this is the story of Nurse Janine Jones, who was a, a woman who worked in a, the pediatric intensive care unit at the county hospital in San Antonio, Texas. And so she had very sick kids under her care. And uh, she arrived at the county hospital after several stints at other hospitals where she had um, shown good technical nursing skill but gotten in trouble for overstepping her bounds, making mistakes, um, 
doing bizarre things, and she'd gotten fired from a couple of places before she even got to this county hospital in San Antonio. Then when she arrived there, um, she worked the 3 to 11 shift, and after a time, there was a chilling pattern that developed where kids under her care would get sick and die um, with much greater frequency than they did under any other nurse. They'd be fine on the 11 to 3 shift. They'd be fine in the... uh, uh, the, the, the other shifts, uh, the day shift, and then when Nurse Janine Jones would come on, they'd have medical emergencies and, and sometimes die. That's and, not good. No. And, uh, you know, she's, this, this nurse was not your fantasy. She was your nightmare. Were, were the the um, the deaths similar? Yes. Well, they, they were not... In San Antonio, they weren't completely similar, but there was a pattern of, of kids having sudden effects after they seemed like they were getting better or they were stable. And um, one of the, it, there, there were several different symptoms they had, but one problem they had was they were having sudden bleeding problems, mm. which led to suspicion that she was giving them excesses, excessive amounts of heparin, which is the blood thinner. And in fact, there was one episode where doctors were so suspicious of heparin overdoses that they literally had it, they had discontinued from the child, uh, you know, had, had the drug discontinued, the child shouldn't, shouldn't have been getting any heparin, and then they had it removed entirely from the child's room. And then, uh, nonetheless, the child started bleeding again. Weird. Um, and bleeding from all of his pores out of his mouth. His, oh, Jesus. Uh, it wrecked him, it, you know, horrible, uncontrollable bleeding. And the doctor he realized this child was about to die. And so he took really an extraordinary measure, which is he gave the child a, a direct antidote, drug antidote to heparin called protamine. And gave a, a dose of that, and the bleeding continued. Gave a second dose of that, and the bleeding continued. And finally gave a third dose, and the bleeding stopped. Hmm. And, and uh, you know, there's a solid proof as you could have that this child had been given an overdose of heparin, but it wasn't supposed to have gotten any. Well, the, so well the kid, how did the they kid, follow the up on this? And, like, how the hell did the kid get it? What, what's, they, 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 they had an association between Jones and, and, and the heparin overdoses, but they never saw her specifically giving her an injection that they knew was heparin. So they, they had trouble connecting all the dots, but they certainly had plenty of evidence in that case and in others to have called in the authorities and done a real investigation. Did they? And no, they didn't. Instead, and this went on for a period of months, actually more than a year, um, where there was a pat, such a strong pattern that nurses and doctors were going to the, their higher-ups, to their bosses, and saying... We think she's killing kids. One of the nurses went to the charge nurse of the intensive care unit with a list of children who had had emergencies or died under Janine's care. And it was that explicit that people were pointing fingers at her. And instead of calling the authorities, um, they kept it all very quiet and did an internal investigation with outside doctors. And finally, when they recognized they couldn't completely rule out Janine Jones, and they sure couldn't rule out Janine Jones. The contrary, they upgraded the intensive care unit as a way to get rid of her. Mm. She was a licensed vocational nurse, and they changed it from LVNs and RNs to all RNs. And that was an excuse to fire her, as well as four other nurses who had done other but, nothing but, wrong. But, but, but Peter, to, sorry to This is Howard has a question here. Sure. But, but we have kids dying. The hospital knows it. Yes, they don't report it to any authorities. They, they, they're going to take internal matters unto themselves. Yes. Which were pretty weak. Yes. Um, and nobody accountable here? 
Well, <laughs> ultimately, no. And the, the, the bottom line, and, and the book traces, of course, all of this, is that she was sent off with a good recommendation. Along, along with these other LBNs as a way to wash their hands of her. But they did not want to have a, a criminal investigation because they were concerned about lawsuits and scandal, and they were trying to upgrade How the are they sleeping image. at night? How does that work out yeah. for them? How do they what? How, How do, do they, they sleep? sleep at night? Well, good question. <laughs> good question. And, 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 and when this all came to light finally, uh, because she went off and harmed other kids and killed a child in the hill country of Texas named Chelsea and the a little 15-month-old girl, and that's a horrific piece of the story unto itself. But when that happened, and finally it became became known, um, the, the prosecutor in San Antonio seriously considered indicting the hospital district Hell yes. and, its, and its officials, and ultimately chose not to do that. Um, so there was a, the, the investigator on the case for the DA recommended that that be done, um, but the DA made a call not to do so. You know what this reminds me of? I watched the movie Spotlight the other night. Where the uh, you know with the, the incidents of the the priests uh, doing sexual things you know and, and, sure. and they just move them on to another parish or something you know yeah. give them a break a vacation don't do anything about it covering it up because well, they want the bad publicity exactly and it and, and and that's what's really truly horrific about this case I mean you have crazy people doing horrible things I mean pathological nurses uh, you know murderers serial killers that happens it's horrible. Um, but you know, then to have people who know better, who should handle it in a different way, who are in a position to stop this from going on, and don't do so, um, that's what's really, really true. Are they not just as guilty? Well, if you see somebody shoot your neighbor and you don't report yes, it. Yes, I think you show responsibility. There's culpability, even if there's not... Uh, but now you're in a position of uh, 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 administration of a hospital. Yes, and you you do nothing, you hide it. Yeah. Is that not accessory to murder? Uh, it, well, it, they didn't feel like they could bring a criminal charge, didn't choose to bring a criminal charge. Why? But, but I, I think they felt it would be, they, they, it would prevailed, they prevailed on the DA, there's a lot of political pressure, but they prevailed on the DA that this would be terrible for the community. That not it much would make would people look it. bad. Oh, I see. So it's better we have dead kids. That's not so bad. Well, this is. This and is by the, the way, P. Peter, I'm not going after you. Trust hey, me. No, no, no. I understand. You're asking the right, exactly the right questions. But after this has all happened and the kids are dead and she's behind bars, the question is, you know, what do you do about it um, in terms of assessing blame and responsibility? One thing they did do is they made sure that the entire hierarchy of the hospital, you know, everybody who was in line to have done something and who failed to do something was removed. And the new administrator who took over uh, fired all of those people. It's kind of a you know a closet and agreement, as I describe in the book, um, to get rid of them. But but nobody was charged criminally. You've almost other than, you've, other you've, almost, you've almost got me going where I don't want to quite go yet, but I have to. I, I want to fast forward ahead because yeah. um, she was charged. And correct me if I'm wrong with uh, with two. Correct, one and she then was, two. Uh, she was charged with one murder. In, in, she was charged with injury to a child in San Antonio, no murder case, okay. even though she was believed to have murdered kids in San Antonio. Okay. And so then she, she was charged and convicted of murder 
in Kerrville, which is a, a small Texas hill country town where she went to work in a pediatric clinic. All right, so she gets two uh, consecutive sentences, one for, uh, and again, help me out here, uh, one for sure. uh, n- uh, 90 years and one for 60 years. One was not 99 years for murder and okay. 60 years for injury to a child, and they were they were concurrent to run concurrently. Right. Okay, so off she goes to, to see the wizard, and that's the end of her. Until we find out that um, there's a, a little-known law or uh, that we certainly don't know about, but I guess they know about it in Texas, mm-hmm. that says that, uh, shucks, somewhere around the year 2017, we got to clean these places out. Uh, we're overcrowded. We know the jails are going to be overcrowded, so we have to start letting some folks out. And sure enough, our friend, our little heroine here, <laughs> is in line to be released in 2017. Uh, well, not a yes. good thing. Yes. It, she is, I think it's now, two, it's actually early 2018, but that's exactly right. And it's not, it's not discretionary at that point, as I understand it. It's mandatory release in right. early 2018. So out she goes. It, it's, it's, it's out she goes. And, yes. and now. I don't think anybody's going to hire her. Well, oh, there you go, bro. Maybe we'll get her as a co-host on the radio show. <laughs> All right. So, so, so here's the deal. Yes. From what I understand here, there's a group that just can't stand for this, especially some of the uh, the uh, the parents of yes. some of the the children that are are, are gone. And uh, they don't want to see her on the street by any stretch of the imagination. So there is a race on to find more victims of this, I don't know what to call her. Woman. Probably bitch from Yeah, hell. good. Yeah, that's it. You're, why don't you be politically correct? I'm going to use another word, but maybe not today, okay? So, so, so this person uh, uh, is, is, is going to get out unless uh, they're able to find and prove that she did other murders. Correct. That's exactly right. And they're racing to try and get that done. Yes. Where uh, the ho- is Andy, uh, was it Andy Keehan working on that? Yep. Exact, exactly right. Exactly right. He's a victim rights coordinator in Houston. Right. We've and, had him on the he, show. Yeah. And, and, he's, and he's got involved in this because he's, he's been there and done this before. He, there was a, another killer who was preparing to be released, and he helped bring pressure and... and uh, which resulted in a conviction that kept him behind bars until he died in prison. And so he's trying to do the same thing here, and there's a, there's a group, a Facebook group that's been started. There's a petition that's been launched, and it's, it's been resulted in uh, a lot of pressure, growing pressure on prosecutors to try to do something to keep her behind bars, but it, it's really hard to think how that can happen. Um, I mean, he's, they're doing what they can, and, and I, their sentiments are completely understandable. It, it, and one of the group members of the group, by the way, is um, Patty McClellan, who's the, the mom of the, the child, 50-month-old little girl, beautiful little girl, who, was, who Janine Jones murdered. And she's very actively involved in this. Now I want to I kind of dial back here a little bit, because uh, this is such a horrific case and so fascinating, and uh, you've written a complete book on it that's rather well-known, and it's in his book again, uh, Death Shift. Am I correct, the title? Yes, it, exactly right. And it'll be, it's, it, it, um, we publish it as an e-book beginning on Tuesday. Oh, perfect timing. Yeah. Uh, people, that one uh, it's going to do well for you, not well for her. Uh, must be heartbreaking for the families to go through this all over again. Now, what I find fascinating, uh, aside from the horrific nature of the case, is this woman. I mean, she, uh, uh, what do you call this, like Munchausen syndrome by proxy. What, is she, what, was, she, what was she getting out of this? Yes, yes. Um, 
Well, there's a syndrome that that I believe she fit, where she fits the pattern very very well, where uh, people who get a thrill, get get some sort of strange kick out of having medical procedures done to them, which is called Munchausen syndrome. They like the thrill and the excitement of being the focus of attention in a hospital. And they'll show up in a hospital time and time again with symptoms that seem to have no cause or even seem to be made up, where they uh, have burns uh, that they've inflicted on themselves or injuries they've inflicted on themselves to make it seem as though they're suffering from some terrible illness. So they'll be subject to medical tests and treatment and, and they repeat visitors into the hospital in emergency rooms. That's Munchausen syndrome. And then there's Munchausen syndrome by proxy, which I think is what's going on, what went on with Janine Jones, where she liked to be in the center, at the center of attention and consequently caused medical illnesses for her patients. So there'd frequently be codes where you have to resuscitate a child, which is kind of an incredibly dramatic, climactic moment in a hospital, life and death is at stake. And she was always in the center of it doing CPR. Oh, and there's this very recurrent pattern that kids under her care would have codes at extremely high rates. They were far more likely to have codes under her care 25 times as likely to have an emergency. So she was looking Which, to be the hero who missed a, a whole yes, lot of times. Yes. And sometimes she saved them. Sometimes they lived. <laughs> and sometimes they didn't. Jeez. Now, did in this investigation, in the trials, lawsuits, whatever, did she have anything to say about this? I mean, did she make any statements? Did she try to explain any of this? She had, she had, pl- she had plenty to say. It was really quite extraordinary. I interviewed myself several times. Really? That must have been unnerving. Yeah, well, the most unnerving, I'll tell you the most unnerving episode of that. Please. Um, I, I originally wrote, wrote about her, started to report about her, when uh, she was under suspicion of this. She was under investigation. She hadn't been charged with anything, so she was still free. And she was living in a trailer home in San Angelo, Texas, uh, in rural West Texas, with uh, another nurse who was very close to her and a couple of other women. And um, it's kind of a strange group. Uh, but I got in touch with her, and, I agreed, and, I, and she agreed to see me. So I drove out to San Angelo, um, and I spent six hours in the trailer home talking to her. Wow. And uh, my editor was quite nervous about my doing this. Um, I mean, we agreed I would, but we had a special signal set up where he would contact me in the middle of the interview. I'd, I'd make a call. When we set up a code so I would let him know if there was any problem going on. Um, and, and in this trailer home, you know, this nurse who had this pattern of people stopping breathing when she was around, <laughs> and that continued in the Hill Country, and I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But in this trailer home, uh, the, one, of the, the, one of the women she was living with had a baby, and the baby had been taken to the hospital in San Angelo with a sudden emergency. Janine Jones had taken her in, claiming that she was the baby's grandmother and the baby needed medical, emergency medical treatment. So this was seemed to be continuing, the whole pattern, even while she was under suspicion for murder and under investigation. What uh, what did you talk about for six hours, Peter? We talked about everything. We talked about all the facts of the case and the allegations against her in both San Antonio and in Kerrville. And I went to, in great detail, what had happened in each episode, and she offered her own account of it. And it was... She was adamant about everything. She hadn't harmed the kids. She was fighting for them. The doctors had screwed up. The other nurses had screwed up. 
Uh, doctors were having, she, she dished dirt about people, saying they're having affairs with each other. Uh, she told all kinds of stories about alleging incompetence by everyone but her. Well, of course. And that, she was, and that she was battling for the kids. And what was really striking is, in her presence, she was so sure of herself, you know, that you, it, it's, it's compelling, it's persuasive. Um, I mean, I knew better, um, and, I, and I specifically knew that, specific, that factual things she was saying about the sequence of events, about what drugs were given, what drugs weren't given, you know, that, that were reflected in, in um, not only reporting I had done with many other sources like EMTs and other nurses, but also in um, factual documents, um, medical records, emergency ambulance reports, you know, the laid out details, they contradict her completely. And yet um, she would just continue on with her uh, BS, huh? Now, yes. What did, yes. You, what did you learn about her as a human being? You were there for six hours in her house, in her home. Uh, I, I realized that she really did, one, she thrived on the, uh, on all of this attention, as twisted as it was. Um, two, she didn't seem to she seemed to be completely persuaded of her own innocence, um, and she was telling the tale in a, in a compelling way, um, albeit you know, factually wrong in many cases, and, and clearly wrong in the substance. Um, you know, I, I was struck by the power of her personality, um, but I was also struck by how crazy she was, uh, you know, the kind of incredible things she would say. And by the way, while I was there, she occasionally offered me something to eat or drink. Oh, no, no, thank you. I'm, I'm well fed. <laughs> that, that was my reaction. Yeah, listen, we're going to take a quick 60-second break to spike your punch. We'll be right back on True Crime Uncensored with Peter Elkin. Stand by. This is Frank Hagen, the gay guy from Outlaw Radio. If you own a cell phone, and I know you do because you've probably got Grinder on there, but it's time for you to add another app. That app would be for Outlaw Radio through the courtesy of RadioLoyalty.com. My suggestion is that you upload that app for free, mind you. Yes, totally free app. In order to be able to listen to us, the Demons of Decadence, every Saturday afternoon from 3 to 6 Pacific Standard Time or Pacific Daylight Time. And you'll have the opportunity to listen to us smoke, drink, and interrupt each other, which we do a really good job of doing. So once again, RadioLoyalty.com to pick up your free app of Outlaw Radio. Once again, this is Frank. So get off a grinder and get on to Outlaw. Hi, I am the legendary Burl Bear, host of True Crime Uncensored on OutlawRadioUSA.com. And when I'm not being brilliant on the radio, I'm cranking out true crime, mysteries, popular culture, and all sorts of other things where I sit and stare at my word processor. Sometimes I actually write something, and then they publish it, those fools, and people buy it. Uh, coming out actually out right now is my private eye novel, Headlock, where I get to be the hero. 
You see, I, I figured no one was going to write a private eye adventure with me being the hero unless I wrote it myself. <laughs> so I did. And it's available right now. Now, coming out in about a month and a half is uh, A Taste for Murder, a true crime story that I wrote with Frank C. Gerardo Jr. that'll be a one-hour TV special on Investigation Discovery. I believe that broadcast is March 13th. That's Taste for Murder coming out in uh, March. And uh, while you're at it, also pick up Serial Killer Quarterly, every serial killer's favorite quarterly magazine. Back to True Crime Uncensored. Yes, and well worth it, too. We have uh, Peter Elkin, author of the uh, the classic true crime book that's being re-released called The Death Shift. With Burl Bear and Howard Lapidus. Oh, yeah, we weren't in The Death Shift, but we were on the radio. Uh, <laughs> And we're very fortunate to have uh, Peter on the show with us today. Featuring Mark C.G. Boyer. And Mark C.G. Boyer has a question for Peter. Yeah, I know. Uh, so you're, you're in the trailer. Where are her children at this point? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that. Where, where are her children when you're in the Where are the children? Yeah, her, her kids. Oh, her kids. Oh. Um, her kids are, are grown. Um, one of the after she was sent away, uh, they were um, her sister took care of one of them, and her and the other went to child protective. Services. Now, when you were in the trailer, where were the kids? Did she have them with oh, her? Oh, 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 well, her for a lot. Of, the strange thing is, if she had these two children, and for for a lot of the time, her mother was taking care of them. Um, she basically left them with her mom for the work shifts that she worked, and uh, as well as when she was. Uh, in San Angelo, I, I, as I recall, her kids were not with her. her kids were yeah, not with the, her in San the, Angelo. The curiosity I have is that that all of these other people's children are have are coming down with mysterious, potentially fatal uh, health risks. But I don't. I didn't find anything on her children having any issues. Well, she brought. She actually brought one of her kids into the hospital with some frequency, um, with with medical. You know, with, with with medical concerns, and she herself was seen repeatedly in the hospital, with where she was reporting medical issues herself. And and in fact, she was in there so frequently, and this is documented in the book in great detail. She was in there so frequently that um, they recommended a psychiatric consult for her. But they that thought, doesn't keep people from hiring her. Well, that's correct. And 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 by the way, when she again when she went to San Antonio, she'd already been fired at a couple of places previously oh, for. Yeah. Insubordination and inappropriate actions. But this is what amazes me: is she, she doesn't have a great track record here as a healthcare professional. Why are people hiring her? She, you know, when she well, first of all, there's a nursing shortage. Uh, yes, of course, there's no excuse. But uh, so hospitals were. So were let's get the, for, let's get the ones that kill people. Bring them on <laughs> in. Bring, that's like the New Orleans Police Department. <laughs> it's fortunate there's a shortage of that type of nurse. Yes, absolutely. But 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 she had a, an ability to bring people. She she was a very polarizing figure. Uh, obviously, you know there were a lot of people that direct. I mean, literally said she's killing kids and went to their supervisors and de- and demanded, begged, pleaded that they do something. But there were others who were also kind of very impressed with the strength of her personality, her technical skills at starting an IV. And her her kind of assurance about her medical knowledge, she, she was always sure of herself. She was, you know, sometimes wrong but never in doubt. 
<laughs> yeah, she was right, even if she was dead right, or, or the patients. Were. Yeah, but Peter, I've, you know, you know, Peter, I can start an IV, and I've got a hell of a personality. <laughs> and, and and people fell for that in some cases. I mean, she was she was technically a skillful skillful nurse, and and seemed to really know and care about what she was doing. But in fact, obviously, she was dangerous and didn't. Uh, but but it left some people thinking she was a great nurse, the best nurse in the entire unit, and it left some people thinking she was she was killing kids. And so. In this case, in San Antonio, for example, um, the charge nurse fell into that category of people who thought she was she was really a good nurse, and was incredibly protective of her for a very long time. And despite her Janine doing things that were insubordinate to the charge nurse, to the head nurse in the unit, hmm. and it's incredibly that incredible that she allowed her to get away with the stuff. You know, it was, you know, it it must, have, must have been the, the force of her person. She must have had a very strong personality. Yes. There was able to bluff and bluster her way through this stuff. Yes. Yeah, she's going to do American Bandstand. She's yeah. really happening. Right? Yeah. <laughs> she was a, she incredibly, incredibly strong personality and and kind of steamrolled over a lot of people. Now, what's the deal on her having a black book? She, when she got in trouble, and she thought she was going to get fired, and that there was when she knew there was investigation underway that was targeting her. Um, she she basically she threatened the hospital and said, "I've got a little black book with all the mistakes that doctors and nurses have made. Doctors have made especially, and I'm going to make that public." She she tried to play hardball in her own kind of twisted way, and she did stuff like that all the time. Did, she she did, tried did, to reveal secrets about did, people. Which did any of that but, seemingly uh, sit at the root of the cause of no problems coming to her from the hospital? I don't, I don't think so, in a sense. Well, it was, a, it was a part of the problem. It's a good question. It was a part of the problem because they were, they were afraid of her in some ways, because she was such a strong personality. They knew she'd push back very hard, and, unless, and they felt like unless they had absolute rock-solid proof, um, you know, they'd be in a mess. And, you know, the reality is you've got to do things. Uh, a, me, a mess in what way? I mean, this is a PR issue. problems. Hang on, no, hang on a second. Yeah. The borough, 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 backup guys, both, both, please. You've got a woman that's living in a trailer uh, uh, in the west of Texas and or mm-hmm. wherever she was living. Uh, yep. This is not somebody that had a lot of uh, uh, financial means. Uh, mm-hmm. What is she going to do? Stand in front of uh, the hospital and, and, and hope that the press gather? Uh, and we're not talking about a massive amount of press in San Antonio, Texas. You know, what do we've got? The three or four news uh, TV newsrooms, some, so a few radio guys, and a newspaper. Well, that's a, that's a little further along in the story where she was, you know, under investigation and was and, and was marginalized, you know, in a much more substantial way. When she made the threat about the black book, and when she made various other threats to people to, you know, expose somebody having a fear or this or that, um, it, it was a much more it was a different situation. Um, it was earlier, and they, and they they feared her strong personality. They, she'd badmouth them. She'd embarrass them. Again, um, again, again, Peter. Seriously, to, to who's going to buy it? Well, I, I mean, you're absolutely right. And looking back, or even at the time, it makes zero sense. Let's see. We might get embarrassed. We have this nurse making accusations versus. We have accusations that she's killing kids, and we should call the DA. Uh, I mean, it be, please, I mean, I've been around, I, I've, had, I've had my day or two in PR. Give me about, about ten minutes in this place, and I'll figure it out for them. I mean, you've got a lunatic here. You, you do have a lunatic here, and they've what got is, they've what, got what, more what they've is, got more proof than she does. Uh, yes, absolutely. But but one of the things one of the things to know about this is 
you know, this issue was, was discussed extensively at the highest levels of this hospital, county hospital, and the medical school. They conferred with the dean of the medical school, the administrator of the hospital. They called in their outside lawyer. And the, and the argument, the, the conclusion they had was they should say nothing unless they had absolute proof. And, you know, proof doesn't occur. <laughs> proof, or you, proof, or you, proof doesn't exist. Or you frequently. get in front of it. I mean, there's 16 different ways of doing this. They had, no, they, they had no professional PR person there. You could have all the lawyers in the world and all the CEOs in the world. If they don't know what the hell they're doing and they didn't, they, here's, here's what happened. More kids died and they should be in jail. I understand that point of view, and there are a lot of people that feel the same way. Not a point of view. It's a fact. <laughs> that's, that's, it just doesn't happen to be how I think. It happens yeah. to be what happened down there. I, I, I understand. understand. Well, you know, Texas is also the place you're probably familiar with. Uh, uh, Stephen Long uh, coverage of the uh, the one time in, in America where a corporation was actually put on trial for murder. Uh, now it was in Texas, uh, mm-hmm. and it was the uh, was it the uh, senior uh, living or uh, whatever you call it uh, assisted living. Yeah, where they were assisting him to die, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was an actual case. The hospital won. Oh yeah, the maggots are good for cleaning out the wounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean the, the the notion. You're right. I, I mean, you're you're right in the sense that the hospital bore responsibility for allowing her to do what she did. There's no question about it. They were partners in the crime. So now, uh, now we've got uh, we've got the gate being oiled for her to walk through it. Okay, in a, a year or two, and and uh, our, our friend Andy rushing around trying to find a case against her, which is pretty difficult. Twenty some odd years later, is that is that all right? Okay, yeah, it's extra- extraordinarily difficult. Yeah, it, it's almost virtually impossible because yeah. you know, shucks, uh, lots of things were destroyed. Some things were records were destroyed, and, and more and equally important that they tried really hard to get a murder case on her in San Antonio back then, and they I mean they called in the Centers for Disease Control and did a study of the the, the emergencies and deaths in the ICU, and they concluded that basically there had been the equivalent of an epidemic there. And that she was the court, the cause of the epidemic. She was the epidemic. Right, this is going to be a strange question for you, and I, I, I don't think that there's a right answer. It's probably a, a, a question I shouldn't be asking, but I'm going to ask it. I'm going to anyway. You're going to ask it anyway. I think I'm going to. You know me. You've known me 40 minutes, but you get it. The, the, it's, the, enough. it's enough. Yeah. Yeah. The the. Um, you try to think how to phrase it, it. Just be it, blunt. Is 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 she? If she walks, is she in danger? Is she in danger herself? Uh huh. Now, could someone bump her off? You got a lot of dead dead kids. Yeah. I With a lot of uh, siblings and a lot of uh, parents probably still alive, and a lot of maybe even grandparents still alive, and a lot of neighbors and friends and yeah. The uh, short answer is, I mean, it's possible stranger things have happened. Um, I haven't heard anybody who's threatened her life. or well, No, because that would be that. stupid to do that. Well, yeah. Yes, yes. No, and I'm just asking, and, and that's why I was. I, was I want. I, I, I got a personal question. I got to ask you. Being as, this, this is Texas, of course. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was in Texas where I, I interviewed yeah. Rhonda Glover, who was convicted of murdering her boyfriend, and I'm sitting and talking to her in the prison. There's glass between us and all. But when I came out of this, this is what I'm thinking about you being there at the trailer. When I came out, 
of uh, spending an hour or two with her, and I sat down, and my daughter looked at me and said, Dad, she's going to be in prison for 60-some years. She can't hurt you. But she could feel just the vibe off of me from spending that just that amount of time with a homicidal crazy person mm-hmm. in prison. And she, I'm sure it must have affected you somehow emotionally, psychologically, to walk out of that trailer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, it was, I was numb as I left. It was really an extraordinary experience. And, I, and I, by the way, I interviewed her again after um, in prison, and I described this in the book as well, after she was convicted, and she was remained completely unrepentant, uh, refused to acknowledge that she had done anything wrong. She embraced the same position she had held throughout the entire uh, controversy, the entire investigation, which is, you know, it was other people that had, she, she was fighting for the kids, she had mm-hmm. saved lives, she hadn't killed anybody. Now, were there any psychological or psychiatric tests done on her prior to the trial? There were, there was, she, she had some psychological examinations um, when she was working at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but but not not in great detail, and sh- she did not offer a insanity defense or anything like that. There oh, was virtually no, no there's virtually no psychological testimony introduced at either one of her trials. Anything at the uh, sentencing hearing? Any mitigating circumstances like she's crazy? <laughs> uh, not really. Oh. No, no, there really wasn't. And, and by the way, one one piece of this, one big part of this is you know we talked about how uh, the hospital sent her off with a good recommendation. You know that's when she went off to a pediatric clinic in, in Kerrville, a small hill country town. And she went to work for a pediatrician who had worked for, worked with her in San Antonio, but didn't believe any of the accusations about her, and was very protective of Janine, a uh, do- woman da- named Dr. Kathy Holland. And in this doctor's office, she opened up a new pediatric clinic, brand new doctor, opened up a pediatric clinic where kids came in with colds and sniffles and for shots. And in a period of a month, Eight kids had nine separate emergencies and were rushed oh, to the God. hospital. They stopped breathing. She was giving them a drug called succinylcholine, which leaves you paralyzed but unable to breathe. Your how did she get a how did she get a hold how did she get a hold of that? Because the doctor kept it in her office, which is very unusual for a pediatrician. She kept it in her office, she said, to in order to help intubate kids who had emergencies to help get a breathing tube down their throat so they it's, wouldn't struggle against it. It's an, so anest- it's an anesthesia. Only in an just... operating room. It's very unusual that the doctor had it in the first place. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. And, and Janine was using this drug, and this is, I mean, it's really just an amazing tale of what happened in Kerrville and, and how those guys finally you know, brought an end to the whole thing. But um, ultimately, it was later discovered that the vial of, of this drug, succinylcholine, um, the genie at one point said, oh, I, I lost it, but I found the drug and showed it to the doctor. And the doctor later examined it after all hell broke loose. The doctor got suspended from the hospital. Uh, you know, kids were, the investigation was underway. So the doctor finally went back and looked at the vial of the drug. And yes, it was full, but there were needle marks on the top. Mm. And it was sent for testing, and it, and it, which revealed that five-sixths of the contents of the, dru- of, the, of the vial were saline solution. Oh. So she had refilled the drug, re- refilled the drug vial with, with, with water, basically. It's kind of like kids used to do with their parents' liquor. Yeah. Used to. Is that right? Was that a used to do? Do they still do that? Uh, I hadn't thought about that with my kids. I better watch out. <laughs> you better watch out. God, this is such a horrifying story. And, you know, and with other people who are nuts like she is or as she is, 
uh, they think they're just fine. It's like they've got, you know, they say there's a, uh, I don't know if you know the classic story of Gordon Alpert, I think, wrote about where the woman had the delusion that she was dead. That was her paranoid delusion. And the doctor said to her, tell me, do dead people bleed? She says, no, of course dead people don't bleed. He grabs her finger and pokes it with a pin, and she stares at the blood on the end of her finger and goes, my God, I'm wrong. Dead people do bleed. <laughs> That's a true story. And the moral of it being is that the brain will do whatever it takes to protect yeah. a delusion. Yeah, yeah. Instead of revising your thinking, she'd, she'd embrace it in, 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 yeah. in, in different thinking, yes. But as they say with conspiracy theories, if you disprove it, that just proves <laughs> that it's true because you're in on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no way, no way out of it for her. There's no way she's ever going to say, yes, I did that. Yes. Mr. Man. Uh, she does seem like Annie Wilkes in Misery. Yeah, and, and, and there's some thoughts that she was the she was the model for that character. Yeah, because in the, in that movie, that yeah, that character has kind of that same sort of backstory. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! Now uh, this phrase that I used at the beginning of the show, purposeful, I said purposeful broadcasting misadventure, but uh, she was written up for purposeful nursing misadventure. That that has to be the most BS way of saying something I've ever read. Well, there's a, there's an incredible amount of euphemism that was used to discuss in the in the corridors of the hospital and medical school what was going on. Um, yeah, they they were investigating it, and they you know the the, the, the the euphemism, the language for for what amounted to murder and suspicion of murder was extraordinary. Um, and, and, and when they finally, when the hospital in San Antonio found out that she was being investigated for doing more stuff in Kerrville for killing kids, for kids who were, who were who stopped breathing and being rushed to the hospital. You know, they, they got together and discussed what to do about it, and they said, you know, we, we should, our response should be that we maintain, quote, a judicious silence. Oh, that's, brother. Jesus. That, that, that's the language they used in actual hospital minutes. I want to bitch slap all of them. So you mentioned that while you were at the trailer. Yeah, so Mark Boyer has a question. Go ahead, Mark. There were other... Um, uh, instances while she was not working with, around the area. I'm sorry, I couldn't catch that. Well, okay, let me see if I can get this right here. The, well, when, where was the microphone? when she's not working, right, but she's she, living she, in the trailer. You, you're interviewing yeah. her at the trailer. Well, while at this point in time, she's not actually nursing, but other children are still turning up uh, ill. Was she doing things to kids even when she wasn't working? Well, she, she at the time when, when she was in San Angelo in the trailer, she certainly couldn't get a nursing job per se, but she for a time she was actually working in a, um, a senior citizen center um, in a nursing home, uh, not as a nurse but as an aide. Uh, so she was doing that for a period. It, it, but, but, the, but in the period when she was living in San Antonio, I'm sorry, in, in, in San Angelo in the trailer, um, she had a uh, a young woman who had a baby out of wedlock living with her, who she'd kind of taken in, and th- and that child, as I mentioned before, got she ru- Janine rushed her to the hospital, saying that the child had stopped breathing. Um, and there was another episode involving one of the other occupants of the trailer, the girl herself, um, who who also went in sick. I mean, neither one of them died, but. Um, it's the same game. It's hard not to view that as part of the same pattern. Yeah, it uh, certainly seems that way to me. Now, what, uh, Mark, who's our researcher here and does a fine job, brought me in this suicide note. 
uh, Janine wrote. Can you tell us what the backstory is on that? Yeah, this is um, this is uh, this this is um, when uh, this is in Kerrville, and it's after um, after there's been a series of emergencies. Um, where, again, kids walking into the pediatric clinic with colds or sniffle, I mean, routine doctor's office problems, not, a, not at a pedi- walking into a pediatric ICU where they're really sick, but doctor's office problems where they have sniffles or, you know, you go in, you're gone, and you're, you're, you go home after 30 minutes, you get, you get uh, a shot or something. There were, they were, they were eight, eight emergencies where kids were rushed into the ER in this little rural hospital. And um, finally, uh, the doctors, you know, recognized something horrible was going on and, and got, you know, and confronted the doctor about it. Um, the doctor confronted Jones about it uh, in her own way. And uh, finally, um, they suspended Dr. Holland's privileges. Uh, Dr. Holland discovered the bottle of, uh, of, meta- of succinylcholine with needle marks in it. And Janine um, left for her um, this very dramatic suicide note uh, saying, you know, all I ever did was try to fight for the kids. And she asserted that she had taken an overdose of, of pills. Um, so she was rushed to the hospital in the middle of all this. So all hell was breaking loose. She was in the hospital herself. And um, they pumped her stomach. And they later discovered that she appeared she had taken, you know, you know a number of pills that wouldn't have harmed her badly anyway, it was, it was, it, but it was you know, yet another sort of... Another attention you know, grab. Another dramatic, yes. Another, another you know, grab for attention and, and uh, you know, drama episode. So if somebody wants to follow Andy's cases, did you mention earlier there's a Facebook page on this? There's a Facebook page of um, people who are trying to keep her behind bars. Yes. And of course, uh, his book, which is... Uh coming out or is out now or you could get it you think people could order your book right now can't they you know I, i'm not sh- it's going to be on amazon and elsewhere um available as an ebook on tuesday i'm not sure if it's right there now but i um i guess i should look it up and know that but I, I think so. <laughs> just in case you got some uh, royalty checks coming the, yeah. the death shift is the title of the book and i suggest you uh you're reading because the story is absolutely. There's so much more. There's so much more here, and we suggest you get the book. and And I, I, I think we should move on with. Yeah, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I, I, I've had I've had enough of talking about this woman because. <laughs> she, well, well, I, I appreciate this, and I, and I should tell you guys. You know, I, I actually have not. Um, I, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I, I haven't spent the rest of my career as a true crime writer. This is the first book I wrote. Actually, the first magazine article I wrote was about her. Kept me in journalism, and I went on, and I've. Uh, I work at Fortune Magazine these days, so I'm a business writer. I'm writing about a different kind of true crime frequently. <laughs> well, there's, well, there's that. That's that, that's that, that's kind of interested me about you, and 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 maybe a, a sentence or two on a couple of things. Uh, like, for instance, if I were to say Steve Jobs' name, yeah. um, give us a few sentences on something that we may not have heard about him. Sure. He, he, uh, well, I mean, you know that he's an ext- obviously a genius, but he is also a, a torch with a torturous person to work for. Um, I wrote a long story about him for Fortune, and I, you know, one of the things, one of the most extraordinary things I found out there was first that he denied paternity of his right. uh, of his of his daughter, uh, but didn't just deny paternity. Um, he insisted he was in, he was infertile and incapable of having children, and he left his the, the mom of his daughter to live on welfare while he was a multimillionaire. Um, he obviously was not infertile. He went on and had several other children. What, after he what, what, what was that all about? 
it was, uh, you know, extraordinary display of denial. Um, he thought he could get away with it. It was, it was bullying, uh, which is something he engaged in a lot in his life. I mean, he did extraordinary things. He did extraordinarily egregious things and horrible things. He, um, in, in the film, it's now on CNN, uh, which I helped with. I didn't make the film, but I, I participated in it. Um, you know, there's an extraordinary interview, with, quite an amazing interview with a, a guy who worked on the Macintosh computer um, who's in tears talking about Steve, about how it was the most incredible time of his work life, but it was also the most painful time of his life and cost him his marriage and his kids. And, and there's a lot of that about Steve Jobs. Um, yeah, I watched things, the. Uh, I I haven't seen the Man of the Machine, the thing you worked on, but I did watch last night uh, the Michael uh, Fassbender performance uh, as Steve yeah. Jobs, and which is the whole thing centers around that denial of the paternity and yeah. his relationship with the daughter. And there's a scene in the film where uh, she says, "Why? Why did you say I'm not your daughter? Why do you say I'm not? You know, you're not my dad." And he says, uh, "Well, he says I'm damaged goods." <laughs> Something no, like just, that. Just yeah. I'm it, not well made. That's what I, I I'm found not well him, made. I found him to be uh, interesting, and there is that dark side, that, that side of him. Yeah. Uh, Nolan Bushnell is a friend of mine, and Steve and, and Wozniak worked for Nolan mm-hmm. at one point. And, and, yeah. and, um, What's that? At Atari, Atari. yeah, Atari, Atari, Atari right? and Nolan invented Pong, which mm-hmm. is a bizarre thing. And then he's a character, but they're all you know a set of characters. But when Jobs' name came up in conversation with me. It was. Let's talk about something else. Yeah, there's a lot of of pain. There's been a lot of pain there for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. It was. I found that to be very interesting. What about Elon Musk? Oh, Elon Musk. I I think he's fascinating. I think he's an extraordinary guy. Um, I would love to have written a book about him. Someone, another good journalist, hadn't beat me to it. Um, But he is a. uh, You know, he's done remarkable things. He's he's a great hypester, no question about it. Um, You know, keeps himself front and center in the news always. Um, I've ridden in one of his cars, and it's very cool, very amazing. I think it's going to be a, a really huge feat to try to duplicate um, what he's done, you know, at, at $90,000, um, building that kind of car, and, and to build an electric car for the masses that'll that'll work at thirty five. Well, um, we're talking about the Tesla. Do you think that they're going to stay in business? Um, I hope they do. I think they will. Uh, I mean, they're they're not making money. Uh, they've, they've lost a lot of money. Right. Um, they've got, a, you know, they're, they're investing huge amounts into what they're doing. They've got a lot of capital. Um, but for, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot. To, you, can, you can go a long way on force of personality and relationships. Um, he's a very wealthy guy. He's a very, um, he's a hero to a lot of people. People like to invest with him. Um, they like to finance what he's doing. He's definitely a visionary, um, but as a, as a business, is this going to work, uh, especially if, if oil prices stay low? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's really tough. I hope what, so. Do you, I think it would be a great thing for the world if he makes a cheap electric car. I think it would be fabulous. Do you think that the, uh, that the owner, that the corporate ownership of the dealerships is a model that will sustain, or does he have to franchise like the rest of the industry? You know, I'm not an expert in the auto industry, but it's a really good question. Because Tesla, as you, as you know, and I think your question suggests, is trying to, you know, they don't have dealerships. Um, they're selling direct to consumers. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of states, Texas is top of the list, which um, refuse to allow direct sales, but allow you, that require that you sell a car through a dealership. Right. Tesla's are trying to overturn those laws, um, especially in Texas, and in fact, use that as a carrot um, 
they used, they used their, their their giant battery factory, which, which Texas was trying to lure to the state as an economic development thing mm-hmm. as, uh, for jobs. Um, he was he was suggesting that 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 he would look more favorably on Texas as a site for his gigafactory if Texas would change the law that barred Tesla from selling directly to consumers. So change the effing law. I mean, come on. <laughs> change the of, law. There's a lot of money to be made here. It, it's, yeah. uh, I've ridden in this car. It, uh, it was a, a true joy beyond. Consumer mm-hmm. Reports uh, mm-hmm. rates it as the it gives it the highest ratings of any car they've ever. Well, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't rate it any, any, any hotter. We were going to have the Saint drive one in the new Saint TV series. Well, there you go. <laughs> I think, uh, my goodness, the, the, this hour flew by. Boy, it just really did. We didn't even get a chance to talk about the Sony hack. Oh, there's we'll no have you back it. about that one. We're going to, we're, we're going to have you back. And if you ever get to the West Coast, please come in and visit. Uh, visit us. Peter, thanks, Peter Elkin, to Death Shift is the title of the book. Buy and read it. Believe it. Good hey, luck Bill. to you, Peter. Happy out again soon. Bill? Yes. Uh, what would be next? Gee, it might be our close personal friend, Magic Matt Allen, a.k.a. Mr. Cigar, on Outlaw Radio USA, the land that time forgot. Seventeen feet across, but the hardest oak to be found. Cut to the shape of the sun and moon Shine the color of hell In the nights of the living crowd Gathered all around Raise their goblets and drink a toast To search for the holy grail There was one well known for charity And one whose voice was corrupt And one who wielded a deadly sword with a fast blaze on his cup And there was talk about a fearful ghost The bastard son of a king That died at the knee of his lonely host You could hear his armor ring Still hear his armor ring Pure in heart and mind The key to all you seek those were the words of the mighty king as he looked deep into their eyes. The best of you have wind and down, you treacherous when you speak. You look for a way to seal your faith, but you find a compromise. You have raised your voice in vanity, you have turned your back on the poor. You have closed your heart to threaten If the good is to prevail, I offer this emerald to the one in find. Our Savior's holy grail. Our Savior's holy grail. Banners in the sky, on the gleaming in the sun. The sound of the horses, trumpets, and drums as they march through the countryside. And the village is Silent everyone Bride and mothers Close their shape And they made that God is high And in the game of politics And the 